listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. everybody, welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Claire Stanley here, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist for the American Council of the Blind. We're excited to have our listeners back again. Um, I always like to say at the top of the show, if you guys have any issues that you would like help with from our advocacy team with me and Clark Rockfell, remember you can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. That's what we're here for. Um, don't forget that. Um, I'm going solo again this week. No Clark with me. Clark is actually out as we're recording out in California at the well-known CSUN conference, the Assistive Technology Conference. So I'm sure when he gets back, he'll have lots of fun information to share with us. But this week, it's going solo, just me. So um, so without further ado, I'm just going to jump in and introduce our guest today. Um, we're really excited to be talking about the um, Air Carrier Access Act Advisory Committee. Say that three times, it's a tongue twister. Um, but it's something that ACB has been involved with in the past, and I feel really fortunate um, to be the representative um, in the next couple of years on that committee. So um, we are here. Um, we are graced with the presence of another member of the committee. Um, so without further ado, this is Heather Ansley. And Heather, do you want to go ahead and introduce, your introduce yourself and also tell us a little bit about the organization you work for? Sure. Thanks, Claire. It's a pleasure to be um, on the ACB program today um, and to talk about uh, access to air travel, which is something uh, that we know is an issue for many people with disabilities. Uh, so again, my name is Heather Ansley. I'm the Associate Executive Director of Government Relations with Paralyzed Veterans of America, uh, or PVA. Uh, PVA is a congressionally chartered veteran service organization. Um, all of our members are veterans with spinal cord injuries or disorders such as um, MS or ALS. We have a, a long history of working on uh, improving access to air travel. Uh, the Air Carrier Access Act, uh, which is the uh, ver is like the ADA, but for uh, access to air travel, was the result um, of a Supreme Court case that PDA had back in the mid 80s. Um, to try to get access for people. Um, and through the decades, we have uh, continued to focus on this issue um, because of the issues that our members face, that many of them use uh, wheelchairs or scooters um, for help with mobility and find that the process of getting on and off an airplane, the stowage of their devices, uh, just leads to all kinds of trouble. Um, and many of them uh, have gotten fed up and, and don't even want to travel by air anymore. Um, and so we're looking to see what we can do to change that. Great. I love that the history of that, that because of PVA and what you guys did back in the 80s, that we now have the, the ACAA, which is a huge uh, benefit to the blind and visually impaired community and the access that we have now. So we appreciate everything PVA has done over the years. So thank you. Well, of course, PVA uh, sees itself as a, a very integral part of the disability community. Most people may not know, they think of us as a veterans group, but uh, of our core mission areas, number four is the uh, civil rights of our members as people with disabilities. So we are very unique in the veteran space that we have such a focus on uh, disability rights and access. That's great. So let's jump into the air carrier access Act Advisory Committee or the ACAA Advisory Committee, a lot easier to say. Um, it's 
was kind of the, the birth child of the reauthorization of the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2018. Do you mind explaining to our listeners a little bit about that? I know there was an advisory committee pre-2018 before the reauth, um, and then it was reauthorized. So do you mind walking us through the history a little bit about what the, all that's looked like? Sure. So uh, it's, the great thing about this advisory committee is that it really is a creation of the disability community. Um, we noticed uh, a few years ago when looking at the advisory committees that, that the Department of Transportation had around air travel that there was a general um, passenger advisory committee, uh, but the, there was only one slot on that committee for consumers, for a consumer organization. Oh, wow. And as anybody who's, who's flown probably knows that you know, there are lots and lots of consumer issues in air travel. Yep. And we looked at the situation and thought, you know, they, they try to do some disability stuff when they can, but they're, they're, so, they're focused on all these other issues, and we need a committee that's going to focus exclusively on our issues. Yeah. And so we, uh, disability community came together um, and worked with Congress to get in the FAA bill uh, that passed in October of 2018 uh, the requirement for the Department of Transportation to set up this advisory committee you know, laid out the, the stakeholders and that it needed to include people with disabilities as well as the airlines um, as a way to really begin fostering more communication uh, between our communities and to get the Department of Transportation also to stop, re stop responding to, to specific problems that are out there, but really also to begin looking ahead because yeah. uh, PBA certainly believes that there's got to be a future with more accessible air travel and the way we get to the future is we start planning now. Exactly, yeah. So uh, again, the uh, the bill, the, the act was reauthorized in 2018 and that's when we had the, the opportunity to apply to be on this advisory committee. I and mean, then I know we were very excited here at ACB to apply um, and get offered the, the ability to sit on the committee. But I know pre my time at ACB, um, because uh, again, this was a reauthorization of the act. There was a, an advisory committee before. Were you, Heather, or somebody else from PVA on the uh, initial advisory committee as well? Uh, no, we were actually not. And and the, oh. uh, there there have been different types of. Uh, there was a negotiated rulemaking committee yes. back in 2016. Yes. Uh, PVA was on that. Um, we okay. Page was our representative. Okay. Um, and. Uh, and ACB was on that committee, and uh, that Little was sort of yep. the, the, the place where we got the idea um, that it was helpful for disability folks to get together with the airlines and for us to communicate with each other. Um, and so really it was because of that earlier uh, committee that was very, you know, specifically focused that we said, maybe we should do this all the time, but have it be more, be more broad, not just focused on a few issues, but really looking at the idea of what does it mean to have accessible air travel. Gotcha, yeah. So the committee is made up of 19 representatives, which I think is such a random off number, but it's a great composition of all different backgrounds and people from industry to trade unions to advocates. Um, let's talk about some of the different faces that were in the room. Um, obviously, we're both from advocacy organizations. Um, the, the individual sitting right next to me to my left at the meeting uh, was Dana from, Dana from Delta, who ACB has actually been uh, building 
building a relationship with for a while. She came to our convention um, last year in Rochester. Um, so a great example of someone directly from the airlines. Who were some of the other individuals you were able to speak with, Heather? Um, yeah, so there, there were um, a few other airline representatives. We had um, uh, a representative from Allegiant Air, uh, who uh, Keith Hansen? Uh, this was the first time I'd had a chance to really get to know much about Allegiant. Um, they're one of the ultra low cost carriers, no frills, um, that uh, is opening up air travel to other people who maybe uh, need to go to destinations that aren't the most popular or would like a lower cost fare. Um, so it was interesting to learn more about their business model. We also had individuals that represent the airline, so their trade association. We had Doug Lavin with the International Airline Transport Association, um, and they look at international um, issues related to air travel, and then domestic, uh, Doug Mullen with Airlines for America. So if there's a communication about the airline industry in general, um, Airlines for America, or A4A as it's known, is, is usually the one that is making those statements. Uh, we also had uh, the aircraft manufacturers represented, uh, Boeing, uh, Michelle Albert uh, is on the committee. She was also on the negotiated rulemaking committee. Uh, one of the audiences that was not on the earlier negotiated rulemaking committee was the airports. So mm -hmm. this time we have airport um, folks who are represented. Uh, the airport is uh, covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act and most likely Section 504 of the Rehab Act, assuming they get federal funds. Uh, yeah. So the airports themselves are not covered by the Air Carrier Access Act, but because they are the, uh, the facilities that help us get to and from those airplanes, they're uh, very important. So we had Tom Devine, who's with the Airports Council International, so that's like their trade association. Yeah. And then... Uh, Larry Rowland, who is the coordinator for disability services at LAX um, in Los Angeles, and he's done a lot of work on disability um, issues and, and trying to make um, airports more accessible for people with disabilities as a whole. Uh, another person we had who was who was a new represented a new community to us was the contract service providers. So these yeah. are the the meet and greet assistants, the ones who do the push chairs. They help. PBA members get on and off the aircraft with the aisle chair. Um, Joanne Story with Prospect Air, Airport Services. Um, and it was interesting uh, to hear their perspective on some of the things that we were uh, supporting because many airlines, you know, they don't, they don't do that work themselves. They contract with people um, who can help them to, uh, to do those services. And it then, really of course, is we have to see how they're all going to third parties. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the third party. Uh, when, when you're in the, the airport, a lot of the folks that you see um, even wearing uh, the uniform of a particular airline, many of them don't actually work for that airline. They actually work for a contractor um, who provides services to the airline. And that's become more and more the case at the, you know, the ticket agent, the, the person helping you get on the plane, maybe even the, the baggage handlers, the people loading your bags. Uh, they may have on the airline's uh, uniform, but that may be uh, not who's providing that paycheck directly yeah. to them. Yeah. We also had several uh, folks who, uh, as you mentioned, who were representing the disability community, which was great, United Spinal Association, Canine Companions for Independence, uh, National Disability Rights Network, uh, both you and I um, on the committee. Uh, and then we had... Uh, 
the veterans community, which we're also part of the veterans community, but also disabled American veterans, and then wheelchair manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, this is another committee, another group of people that's kind of new to um, to these efforts. They weren't part of the negotiated rulemaking, but we learned in some of our efforts to try to combat wheelchair damage uh, that the folks who actually make those devices are pretty helpful people to have in the room because they know they, they've got their own sets of requirements and yeah. the things that they can and can't make devices do. And so it, it was good to have them be able to participate um, so that we've got all the relevant players in the room. So it, it definitely felt like a, a, a very uh, interesting and large mix of people. Um, and, and yet, uh, when you're talking about a community as diverse as the disability community, uh, in many cases, that's certainly what you need. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting for me to, we had lots of uh, attendees who just came and observed, which was great, who represented the wide swath of the disability community. But at the table, I was the only person who was actually blind or visually impaired and the only uh, person who used a service animal myself. So I felt a great responsibility <laughs> to represent our community. So yeah, great. that is true, and I I did I did notice the, a little nose poking out under the the, <laughs> the little uh, curtain that they had. So the nose is always poking out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> great. So one thing, it was a two day event this time, and we're supposed to meet again. I think they said the. The potential soonest will be this fall, but this time we met in March and we had two days of conversations, which were great. They flew by, in my opinion, because there was lots of conversation. Oh, um, I agree. Yeah, there were quite a few different presenters. So let's talk about the presenters. Um, I feel like they kind of mirrored the different communities we were just talking about, but we had the business side and the advocacy side and the, you know, the accessibility side. What were some of the presenters that you really appreciated hearing from? So I thought it was good that um, we're focusing on a few different areas. So we've got the assistance at airports and on the aircraft and the training that goes along with that, um, ticketing practices, seating accommodations, and stowage of assistive devices. So they started off every one of those areas with kind of a DOT overview, which I thought was good to set the stage because it's yeah. like, here's what the regulation requires. Here are the complaints that we receive in that area. Here's some information to set the stage. And then after that, we had an advocacy panel to talk about the issues in that, that particular area that were um, of importance to that community. Uh, Tony Stevens with ACB was on the, uh, the committee with uh, PVA member Charles Brown uh, talking about the issues with uh, assistance in the airport, uh, getting on and off the plane. Um, and it was really important, I think, for folks to hear the diversity of experiences that people have. And also importantly, they had a, a Ken, Kenneth Thompson with Easter Seals, and he talked a lot about the uh, people um, who are aging and yeah. the elderly and the unique needs that they have with air travel, particularly as, you know, we've got a, an aging society and uh, the needs of, of more and more travelers are going to uh, uh, have uh, that as they age, whether it's with uh, signage or hearing loss. Um, and I thought it was good to get that point of view, which is, is not something that we've always touched on maybe as much as we could have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really, I appreciated kind of the back and forth with the, the 
presenters of, you know, some people who had firsthand experiences as persons with disabilities, and then some experience from the airlines or the third party companies to give their perspective on how things works and kind of the, the back and forth as it was to, to hear because I think it's really easy for those of us on one, I hate to use the word side because we're not in opposing sides, but we do come from different perspectives. I appreciated hearing kind of the different perspectives on how things work because I only know what it's like to be on my side, so. That's true. It, it can be easy to become siloed in your own views. And uh, I call it yelling into the wind when you're like, <laughs> why can't you do this? And you're not understanding uh, maybe why something can't be done the way you think it can because you don't fully understand it. So I think exactly. it's important for the disability community to understand uh, more about how airlines work, how airports work, um, just like it's important for the uh, airline associations and the airport associations to learn more about the needs of people with disabilities, uh, you know, wheelchair manufacturing, service animals. Uh, otherwise, we're just uh, talking past each other about solutions to the problem. Exactly. I noticed another theme that came up from both sides, really, from both the advocacy side as well as from the industry side that came up over and over again, and we, I think we can all agree on, is the need for training. Um, because without information, you don't know what you're doing, and that's for all sides. But with information, we can be empowered to, to better advocate for ourselves and to better equip the, the employees to know what they're doing so they don't, you know, feel like they're, you know, they don't know what they're doing, but that they can have um, that information to really be successful. So I'm excited and eager and hopeful to see that come out that more training will be possible for all parties involved. And, and the great thing about training is we don't have to, we don't have to wait till we make a bigger plane or we have exactly. some new technology. It's or something that can be done today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing that we started with that we talked about a little bit, and I know we have a lot more work to do, is on the Passengers' Bill of Rights. I love that name. Um, so there are 10 uh, rights or whatever we call them under the Passenger Bill of Rights. Can you talk, Heather, a little bit about some of the, the Bill of Rights that we talked about? Sure. So uh, also in the, this also comes from the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2018. Uh, there was a requirement for the Department of Transportation to work with disability stakeholders, airlines, other interested parties in developing a Bill of Rights that's based on the existing regulations and requirements of the law. We find that many travelers, you know, they're, particularly if you only travel once a year, once every couple of years, you don't necessarily know what your rights and responsibilities are, um, and that can make the travel process frustrating. So there were, I believe in the legislation, six areas that the department had to include, and then in their initial draft, they've added four more. Uh, so we only, unfortunately, were only able to get through the first five um, during our discussion. Uh, but one of those that's one of my favorites, and it's in the statute, and it's in the legislation, is the right to be treated with dignity and respect. Yeah. Um, certainly, that's something that we hope that uh, all passengers, and particularly passengers with disabilities, would find in their travel experience. Um, other uh, rights that we talked about were uh, the right to receive information about basically what your aircraft doesn't provide, it, services that are not going to be available because there are some type of limitations. This will at least allow you to plan and make decisions if you need to. Uh, the, the, ability, the right to get information in an accessible format. 
so that if you're needing the information to be in um, uh, verbal, then you can get that, or if you need it to be uh, in written format or video format, however it is you need that, that you're able to get it so you can make the travel decisions uh, and, and work through the travel process the way you need to. Um, also, the right to accessible airport facilities. Um, there are, of course, many requirements under the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, but there are also some requirements under the Air Carrier Access Act, and people should be aware of those. Um, we also have the right to receive prompt and adequate wheelchair guide and other assistance in the airport and on the aircraft. Uh, the right to that pre-boarding if you request that the right to travel with an assistive device such as a wheelchair or um, in the parlance of assistive device under the Air Carrier Access Act, that could even include medications um, that would be considered an assistive device or service animal. Uh, number eight, the right to receive seating accommodations. Nine, the right to accessible aircraft, which we kind of chuckled with that one a bit because yes. there aren't a lot of requirements for accessibility in the current regulation. Yes. And then uh, lastly, the right to resolution of a disability-related issue. So basically, we wanted people to really know if something goes wrong, who do I go to and how do I get um, help in dealing with this situation? Uh, so the department has identified uh, different regulatory sections that would address each of these rights. Um, our conversations were, I would call, preliminary as we kind of worked yeah. through um, issues about what should be included, what shouldn't be included, how can we make the language accessible to people uh, who aren't used to reading regulations and, uh, and just need to know what they're supposed to do to travel successfully. Uh, so I think it's exciting that we're having this conversation. Like I said, there's a lot more work to be done. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction that we're really trying to put down some markers for travelers with disabilities uh, so that they can get uh, at least the same crappy service that every other passenger gets, um, <laughs> exactly. and maybe even a little better um, yeah. if, if they can get that worked out. Exactly. Yeah, I am um, going back to the first right, the right to be treated with dignity. I, I really like that. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement, but that really rung out for me as, as somebody with a disability who has flown many, many a time. And unfortunately, the, the service, and I don't think people mean to be malicious, but the unfortunate treatment that we often experience can be really frustrating. You know, being forced to use a wheelchair when, when you're only blind or being manhandled, grabbed by the arm when you just need to go sighted guide or just all the different experiences we've had. So I think that's really great to, to emphasize the dignity that people have. So yeah, that's really important. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to take a quick second to slightly divert because we can. Uh, Heather brought up service animals. Uh, that's something that we've talked about a little bit these last two days and something that'll come up. I get once again, just want to put a plug out there. It's not related to the ACAA Advisory Committee, but it is related to airlines. Again, we strongly encourage all of our members to submit comments for the notice of proposed rulemaking on service animals in the sky. Um, if you guys saw on Facebook Live, Tony and I joked, it's not snakes on a plane, it's dogs on a plane. So we encourage everybody to submit comments. And if you have any difficulty doing that on the website, reach out to Clark and myself and we'd be happy to help you do that because it's too important not to submit those. So thank you for the quick diversion, Heather. <laughs> of course, of course, we agree. It's important to get uh, consumer voices um, in on these comments to make sure that the rules um, respect the rights of people with disabilities. 
Yes. Well, is there anything else that you think we should bring up from the, the last two days? They were just chock full of so much information. <laughs> you know, they really were. I, I would remind people that the, uh, the, the committee meetings are open. Yes. Uh, so if the next meeting, if you find yourself in Washington, D.C., um, uh, that would be an opportunity to uh, come and participate. Also, the information that is shared as part of those meetings um, is available online um, because all of that information is public. So there's lots of ways that you can follow the work that's happening and be involved um, and make your voice heard uh, because we want to make sure that uh, we really start moving the needle on air travel accessibility and be able to move on to other things that need to be addressed. Exactly. Very well put. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I appreciate it. It was great to have you with us. It's always great to be able to work with other disability organizations because I think we're only more powerful when we come together. So I appreciate it. Well, I couldn't agree more. We appreciate our partnership with ACB and um, are glad to, glad to be partners in crime on this effort. <laughs> I love it. Um, again, as always, to all of our listeners, if you have any issues you'd like help with, uh, Clark and I are here to help. That's what we're here for. So feel free to reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org or call us at the national office. We are eager to help. Um, uh, we look forward to um, speaking with everybody next week on our next podcast. And as we always say, keep advocating. listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.